Um, what I would like you to do also uh, throughout the throughout the sermon series is uh, maybe you just want to bring a notebook, maybe you just want to bring, uh, maybe you're just using your phone to take notes. But um, I kind of I've kind of promised that God is going to speak to you um, throughout uh, this sermon series, and uh, we believe that that He will, that He's got something for you. This maybe a little bit of an odd book. Um, that has so many big questions that's so relevant for today. And it, it's going to continue today. There are big questions. Um, why am I suffering? Is God good? Is there any hope? How can I be righteous before God? And so on. It's, it's a lot of big, big questions. Um, last week, uh, Midas was speaking, and, and the, fir- his, the first friend speaks, and his name is Eliphaz, and he speaks. And uh, um, he's n- not necessarily super encouraging. Uh, he was kind of not a very good counselor and not a very empathetic uh, towards uh, Job's pain. Um, so, uh, so Eliphaz stops, and then uh, we are introduced to a new, new character today. But I'm just going to finish um, what uh, first, uh, just recap what Maya said, and then we'll hear. Uh, the rest of uh, Job's response to Eliphaz. Um, and then uh, his second friend, Bildad, will speak. And then Job will come with the first of his response. And then next week we will pick up the last response. Um, I know it's a little bit tricky. Uh, the way we do it is just it's simply too much uh, if we have to read three chapters. So I'll have, I'll have the text there and I'll read some of it. That's why it's also good if you have your own Bible and can just follow along, so that if I just skip something and you're like, oh, I think we, I want to hear more about that, or man, he's skipping the hotbots, then you can see that and we can talk about that as well. Um, but we are trying to cover a little bit of ground here. Um, but from last week, um, we, it's set, set up like this, and, and the, the Joe was like, okay, guys, like, Come on, if you, like, he says, like, teach me and I'll be silent. Make me understand how I've gone straight. He's basically saying, okay, guys, you're saying that I'm sinful. Show me. What have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? And if I haven't done anything wrong, why is it that you're just not taking, like, you're not considering me at all? And you're like people who would uh, cast lots over fatherless children or a friend. He says, look at me. I don't, I'm not lying to your face. I'm right here. I'm sitting in ashes. I have sores. Why would I lie? And he says, is there any injustice on my tongue? Have I done anything wrong? Then tell me. Uh, then Job continues. And he says that Oh, life is hard. Life is hard. Life is like a, you're a slave or a certain servant. You're just looking for a shadow. You're just looking for uh, some shade. Also, you're looking for actually when you get paid. That's what they say, the commentators. That people would look at the shadow. Oh, when the shadow hits there, I'm done with work and I can go home and get paid because you are paid daily. There's nothing in Job's day but emptiness. There's only nights of misery. And as soon as he lays down, 
to sleep, he wonders when he can get back up. There's no rest in the night or the day. Job's skin problems. In fact, my flesh is clothed with worms and dirt. My skin hardens and then breaks out fresh. What a description. And I was reading the commentaries. It's even worse than that. They would say, um, more literally, they said it was, it's like my, my skin heals, but then again it melts away. Like the notion that, you know, it heals, but then it melts away, so it's like a oozing again. So, and now there's, uh, now there's maggots, worms, worms there to eat the old skin. Joe's days, they, uh, they go by so fast. The picture here is of a, a weave, uh, like a really weave cloth. And so there's also this notion that there's, there's a line, and then at the end of the line, there's just nothing, there's no hope. So it's a short day, and then he sees the end of, his, end of the line, and he's losing hope. Why am I not dead yet? Joe would say. Um, Joe speaks up again, and he speaks up in that anguish of his soul. He he's asking God, this is a weird question: Am I the sea or am I a sea monster that you got that you have got over me? Um, this is a this is like referring to what we talked about a little bit earlier. Like sometimes the sea is seen as uncontrollable. Only God can control it. Only God can hem it in. And then we have this reference to a sea monster we talked about earlier also. Um, if you want to know, it's called Tanin, a monster of the deep, where, who God had to muscle down. Um, basically what Joseph is saying is, um, like why are you... Why is it that you are so concerned about me? Have I done, what have I done for you to be so concerned? Am I like chaos? Am I like uncontrollable? Um, and then he says, oh, I'm just gonna go take a nap or I will go, I will go and, and relax. But there's no comfort. Because what happens? Well, he says that God is going to scare him, or when he lays down, that God scares him with dreams and terrifying visions. So, even so bad that he would choose to be strangled. Uh, most commentaries say this is where Job hits rock bottom, this is his lowest point. That there's no, he's looking in the night, he's look, or in the day, he's looking for the night, and in the night, he's looking for the day. And he's like, okay, I will just rather be strangled now than to keep on living. I would like to die. As he says, I loathe my life. Leave me alone that I may breathe. Job just wants a break. He just wants to break from the pain, the physical, the spiritual, the psychological. God just gives me a break. 
just look away from me long enough so I can swallow my spit. This is not very long. <laughs> just give me this little break. And what if I sin? What is that to you? What, how can I hurt you? Like, what if I sin? What, what is that to you? And here are two questions that maybe you have asked yourself or maybe you heard them from other people. God, why have you made me your mark? Why have I become a burden to you? God, why are these things happening? Why... It, it feels like you have put like a... Um, what are these things called? You know, arrows? The, the, you have put like a bullseye on me. Like why are you... Why are you doing this to me? Why am I suffering? Why do these things happen? Why am I sick? Why is this thing happening in my life? Why can't I... Why did I fail my exam? Why can't I... Uh, why is my cousin sick? Why is this and why is this and why is this and why is this? All the, all the real questions that we have. And sometimes we would say, well, if God is in control of everything, He also knows the pain. So why is God doing this to me? Why have I become a burden to you? Yes. The question most people ask, why God? Job goes on and says, why don't you just pardon my transgressions and take away my iniquity? says, so, because if you don't do something, I am going to die. Like, I can't, this, I can't be in this pain this long. If you don't intervene or help, I will die. That was Job's response to Eliphaz. Then Job's other friend, he steps up. And I don't know, like some of you <laughs> take children and have seen a really good cartoon and you see it on the Right Now Media with your kids where uh, they, it's called Superbook and they illustrate this and so one of the, is, it's, I, you can talk to the kids but ask afterwards, but there's this one narrator that's like, with friends like that you don't need enemies at all and so his, the second friend steps up and he, uh, people would say he's not necessarily hostile but he's not as nice as the first guy. So he, uh, he just steps up to the plate and metaphorically just uh, hits hard to begin with. Because basically he says, everything he just said, like, it's just like the wind. It makes no sense. Why? Well, because God can't perverse, or build as, build as says, because God, he does not perverse justice. He does not pervert justice. And he does not... Um, and he doesn't do wrong. Therefore, you have done wrong, and you must have sinned because God doesn't. Um, God doesn't. Um, what do you call it? He doesn't administer punishment to people that don't deserve it. Therefore, you must have sinned. And then he in four, if your children have sinned against him, he delivered them into the hands of their transgression. So. <laughs> 
this is a pretty, <laughs> a pretty unsensitive statement for a man who has uh, worms coming out of his uh, sores and he's lost his, his ten children. His friend just says, yeah, you have children sin, so they, they, they died and they got what they deserved. Oh, thanks. Um, and the same with you. You're just getting, you're just getting the same. But then you say, oh, then it changes a little bit here in five minutes. He says, but if you see God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, um, if you're pure and upright, then surely he'll rouse himself and restore your rightful petition. And there's only a few problems with this, is that that's what Job has been doing the whole book. He has been seeking God with everything he's got, and he doesn't know like why he's suffering. So Bildad's uh, advice is uh, not very uh, sensitive, and it's, it's obvious that they don't know what to tell Job. Because they, they can't find the sin. But the thing with their theology is that he must have sinned, or else he wouldn't be suffering. So they're taking this view of God that, well, he's not going to punish anybody who hasn't sinned. Therefore, Job has sinned. He must have. He must have done something. And the same with the children. He must have done something. They must have some done something to deserve it. Uh, and then I think uh, Bildad overpromises, and I think he does that a couple of times. He says, "Although your beginning was small, your latter days will be great." Okay. First of all, Job's uh, beginning was not small. He was the greatest man in the East. Like he's, he had a lot of stuff. So he's saying, well, basically, if you just turn to God, if you just seek God, he's going to give you everything back and more. I, like, I don't think he can say that. I don't think he has any right to say that at this point. I think it sounds like a bad gospel called the prosperity gospel. If you do this and this and this, and God will bless you, and you'll never get sick, and you get big cars and stuff. That's a bunch of something not good. Um, that's just not true at all. Um, then Bill had continues like Eliphaz, and I think it's, this is because they can't find out, like they can't see his sin, and so they don't know, don't know what to tell him. So they say, "Oh, we'll just look into the past. We'll look to our forefathers. Just look at how, how they had wisdom." And then he starts uh, using these uh, pictures of like, "Well, this has to happen. Uh, the papyrus can't grow if there's no uh, water, and those things and things, things, things." He's uh, saying that. Well, the reason why these things are happening is because you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. Um, so you should just repent. And he says that in 13, uh, the reason why you don't have any hope is because you've gone astray. He, maybe he's not saying he's totally godless, but at least he's saying you've gone, you've gone astray. That's why you don't have any hope and he says uh, he insinuates that Job is like trusting in different things that can't hold. So you have this picture of a spider's web that's really strong, or a house. And he's saying that, yeah, Job, you're trusting those things and not in God. And then what's going to happen is you're going to trust in them and push on them, and then you're going to fall down because only God can hold you. I don't. I do think this speaks to us as well. I, I know Bill that is not right, but it is good to just look at ourselves and like. Is there things I'm putting more trust in, in than who God is? Um, 
There's another picture is like uh, some people would be trusting in Egypt and, they, and then God says it's a broken reed. Like I'm trusting in this firm wood thing. But God said, no, no, if you do that, you're, you're just going to pierce your hand because it's going to break. Um, this kind of also the illustration here that whatever we put instead of God as the foundation, when we, when we really have to lean on it, we're going to fall through. There is only one foundation that can hold us up, and that is God. And then Bill, that he ends where he started, kind of come back to like trying to give Job some hope and says, "Well, but God's not going to reject. God's not going to reject the blame of Sam, and he's not. He's not going to." Uh, Go hand in hand with evil doers. So that was one of the questions. Uh, maybe we're going to get to that. Just Job is saying, well, God's just, he just treats everybody the same. Like the evil and the good. Like, he, just, he just trusts it. He just treats everybody the same. And, and, and Bill is like, no, he doesn't. Like, he's, not, he's always going to reject the evil doers. But he would not reject yeah, uh, a blameless man. So, so again, he just promises him way, too, way much more than I think you can. And it's like, yeah, yeah, because if you repent, I'm just going to give you a smile back on your face, you know, and, and you're going to be shouting and praise, and, and everybody who hates you will be close to shame, and the wicked are not going to be there anymore. This guy is a good salesman, maybe, but I think he's, again, overselling. He can't say, well, I don't think he has the, the right to say that. If you just repent, then, you know, you're just going to be happy laughing, things are going to go great, and all, the, all your enemies, they're going to be closed in shame, and there's not going to be evil people anymore. And that's, that's probably not going to happen. And I don't think Bill that has the power to, to do that. <clears throat> what Job does is, um, he responds pretty, uh, pretty mildly. Um, and uh, I just messed up my notes. So it's a lot of Oh yeah, he responds kind of like, just like I said, mildly, and he doesn't react the things that he said other than he's saying truly I know it's, that is so I know what you said is like basically true but how can a man be right before God this great question where Job is saying but I am blameless I have done nothing wrong that's why you can't point it out to me I haven't done anything wrong so what am I supposed to repent of if I haven't done anything wrong in this case um, Job saying, "So how can I be right? Like how can how can I say anything to God? And the three of you, the three of you don't even believe me. How can I bring my case to God?" And he talks about if he would have this, if he would have to stay in court uh, with God and say, even because of who God is, I would get it wrong ninety-nine hundred times out of a thousand. I was just getting wrong because of the fear of God. 
Because God created everything. He created the different, the different constellations. So how could I ever, how could I as a human, even though I haven't done nothing wrong, how could I bring the case to God? He also, saying that like, nobody can rebel against God and succeed. God is wise and he's strong. Like, he can remove the mountains. He can make the earthquake. He's the creator of all things. How can we ever question God? Question him. It's okay. He says, who can say to God, to him, what are you doing? The funny thing about the book is, he says that all the time. <laughs> God, what's happening? What are you doing? And so do we. I think if we're honest, God, why is this happening? There's not necessarily, there's not necessarily, there's not necessarily anything bad in that. Job is never rebuked for asking those questions. sudden death, he mocks at the calamity of things. The person is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the face of his judges, if not he who then is it. So he's saying, I'm blameless, but I still hate my life. God destroyed both the blameless and the wicked. In 23, he's kind of accusing that God takes delight in mocking of the innocent. We're going to get to that. Jesus proves that totally wrong. <laughs> and also Isaiah. Isaiah, says, Isaiah says, <coughs> no, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 13, uh, 18, 20, 23 says, God says, I don't take joy in the destruction of evil people. So here Job is wrong. But he does, he does come into one of the questions that, that we also are grappling with in 24. If this is not God, then who is it that's doing this? He doesn't get closer, but as we, the reader, know, it's not God doing this. It is the adversary, Satan, doing this. 
But the reality doesn't get us off the hook if we believe God is almighty. Because God is still allowing this to happen. So then we will be born. Why is God allowing this to happen? So that's the same in our situations. When we're faced with trials, tribulations. If we believe God is almighty, He is loving, He is caring, He is just. Then why is this thing happening to me? Because we know He could have stopped it. But why is this happening? Then he has this uh, 25 26. My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away, they see no good. They go like shifts of reed and like the eagle of swooping of the prey. I had no idea what this was. <laughs> so I looked it up. And so I know, what the, I know what a runner is. That was actually an occupation. So the runner would be employed by a, a king or something and he would run with messages. That's where Ultron comes from. Um, but so that's on the ground, and then on the, on the then you have these sh little ships of reed. So that's the water, and then you have an eagle swooping. So it talks about in a very poetic way. He says his days are going really fast. On, on and he illustrates it by land, by sea, and by the air. And then in twenty seven, he says something interesting. He says. Uh, okay, so what if I just drop all this sadness and I'll just put on a smiling face and I'll just be happy? I'll just like, hey, I'll just forget all this complaining about me being innocent. I'll just put on a smiling face and be of good cheer. Well, then last long. <laughs> and he says, because I become afraid of all my suffering. If I know you will not hold me innocent. And then, then one of the main questions I've heard also in my in ministry is 29. If I can't do this, why should I even try? If I'm gonna fail over and over again, why should I even try? What not why not just walk away from God and sin as much as I can? Why, if I'm going to be condemned, why should I even try? If God is always going to find fault with me, why would I even try pleasing Him? So the interesting thing about all these things is, is Job is like, if I could just talk to God, you know, and then if there would be um, if there would be this in 33, if there would be this obvious, uh, if there would be a person where I could talk equally to God, then I could bring my case. The interesting thing about this is that God, uh, Job is looking for this kind of court scene that we saw in the beginning. He's looking to come before God and present his case. What he doesn't know is that's already happening. God is presenting his case, but just in a very, very different way that he would have, would have liked. Satan came and presented, Satan came to God, God presented Job as his case. And this is why the things are happening. Job is asking if he could reverse that. He doesn't know this, but he's asking, could we just do that another way? And then 
I will have somebody there advocating for me. Uh, somebody who would be equal with God. Well, there is a hope that that one would come. In 19, we, we get to that hope. Boy, he, he does a verse of the day in the, in the what's it called, the new version. I know that my Redeemer lives, and I know that I shall see God. Um, so we'll get there. But he's asking if there would be this arbitrator. Would there be somebody who could make this a fair conversation? There is. We as believers know that this arbitrator is Jesus. We know that's the only way we can come. Even when we pray, even when we worship, that's the only way we can come to a holy God. But then there's this, uh, there's this weird, I don't know, he says like in 30, and, because he just, he just goes from like, Shall I, like, what, like, even if I try really hard, and then he says, what if I totally wash myself and make it, my totally white, I, I do everything I can, and he's just like, God, then you're just going to put me in this big puddle of mud, and then, <laughs> and then, like, my clothes is going to hate me, uh, illustrating that I can't come to God by myself. I need somebody to intervene, intervene between us, somebody who can lay hands on us both. And then kind of he's saying, and then he would take the rod that he feels like God is putting on him in his hand and his rod holding him down. And then he wouldn't be terrified. And then he would speak with no fear. So we're going to leave Job there until next week and he's going to finish his speech or reply to Bildad. But this verse is the one I alluded to before. Um, this is also what Minus said last week, like, well, why, who sinned? Was it this man and his parents? And Jesus' response is, none of them. This was so that the, the glory of God would be shown. So, uh, some, some people, and uh, this is Jesus here, there was a present at the very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood the pirate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he asked him, do you think that these Galileans are worse sinners than all the other Gentiles? Because they suffered in this way? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And then he talks about a, a building, building collapsing. Uh, for those 18 on whom the talent so, so, so fell and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. This is uh, Jesus kind of confronting the thing that also sometimes goes on today. Is that humans, humans start judging why something's happened. Oh, the tsunami hit. It must be because they were really evil. Well, first of all, we have no idea. And it's very dangerous to be safe. Well, I know why God does something. Well, Jesus is obviously saying here, no. First of all, you don't know. Second of all, no. 
Some of these, ha- some of these, some of these natural disasters, they happen for a reason, and most of the time, we don't know. Be very humble, and I'll just be like, don't presume you know what God is doing. If He had told you, most of the time He doesn't tell you. That's kind of what the whole book is about. Well, what about all this then? Is there hope in this life then? And how can a man be righteous before God? Well, that is what Job is fighting with all through the book. He doesn't know why something's happening, but he knows he didn't deserve it. So, is there hope? And is it going to be, as they say in America, is it going to be a cakewalk? Uh, is it going to be a walk in the park? Is it going to be a dance on roses? Probably more dance on roses because that's going to be painful. But, um, what does Jesus promise? Does he promise, big smile on your face and I'll make you rich? No, he does not. They've just talked, this is uh, just before he's going to die. Um, a few chapters before, he's just been talking to the disciples. They're still very confused about who he is. And then they said, now we believe. They don't believe. They don't understand. But Jesus says, do you now believe? The whole hour is coming. Indeed has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. And then he explains why he was given this long um, talk to them. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now here I think it's very clear that Jesus is promising us peace in Him, not in the world, in Him. What does He promise about the world? You're going to encounter sin, trouble, and pain. But there's hope, because there's hope in the peace that I can give you, and there's hope that I have overcome this world. So there's a lot of hope there. Job and everybody else suffering has a very hard time seeing that hope. And even for Job it's even harder, because he just has an idea that some arbitrator, some, some uh, redeemer would come at some point. We can say we have a little bit of a better, a better view because we have seen Jesus come. We've seen He came. Um, there was just one note I just want to note in on this one that said. Just like Job says, hey, show me my sin. And they can't. Um, we're never called to be those judges and say, well, then it must be because of this and this and this. No. But we are called, we are called to look out for each other. We're called in Galatians 1, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore short should restore such a person in the spiritual gentleness. 
each looking out for yourself that you would not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, thereby you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So it's an encouragement that the things we do see in one another, we ask people to come back and repent. But not in a mean, angry way. When we do ask people, no, you're going the wrong way, come the other way. Uh, Jesus says, does the same in Matthew 18. Uh, it's also part of what we would like you to do to each other as loving one another. Is if I see somebody going astray, then you go by yourself. Say that person, I love you. You got to come this way. If he doesn't, you bring another one. And in the worst case, you tell me and the rest of the church. So discipline is always in the biblical way. And what we believe is always for restoration. Now the hard part can be, as we also see, is separation can also be a part. People do not want to be reconciled. Then the third question is like how, Job asks, how can a man be righteous before God? That's a very good question. That's a very good answer here in Romans 3. But now the righteousness of God has been made manifest from the law. So God shows his righteousness when he gives the people the law the, in the Old Testament. And the law and the prophet bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in, faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. For there's no distinction on what happened here. Then you go, oh, I just, wasn't the righteousness of God in the law? Oh, but now we see it through Jesus Christ. For, for, through faith in Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the law. Why do we need why do we need a savior? Why do we need a mediator? Because all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. So that's a bad news. So I remember the one guy said, Gospel is good news that comes after bad news. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Here comes the gospel. And are justified. How can we be just? Are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And God put forward as a propitiation for us by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because He in His divine forbearance had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that we might be just and be justified of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is so fantastic. I'm getting all excited. This is so amazing because Job's point out, how can we be blameless before God? And Paul says, you can't. Because you all sin. You need somebody to make you just. How do we do that? We work really, really, really hard. Really, really hard. All we can. No. It's a gift. It's a gift. How does this gift work? We receive that Jesus died and shed his blood for us. 
fulfilling all the Old Testament sacrifice system that was pointed to them. They had to keep sacrificing animals to cover their sin. But here, it points to the real one, the only one who could take away our sin, shame, pain, and guilt. But not even that. Because then we would stand and we'd be clean. Like Job says, I'm clean. But not even that. He also transfers his righteousness to us. So we're not just clean. Before we were super dirty. Then we were clean. But even clean we can't stand before God. But we can stand before God now because we have his righteousness. And then we have this very, very interesting passage. But we're running out of time. But... God passed over former sins. So we just see some sins in the Old Testament. Why didn't he just kill everybody? Well, he passed over some because he saw Jesus was going to come and pay for those sins. So even Job, even everybody, everybody who believed and had faith in God was saved through faith in Christ. They just didn't know who he was. But there was this Genesis 3 person coming and they had a hope that somebody was going to come and be the one that could justify them and redeem them. So can a man stand right before God? Yes, in Christ Jesus we can stand right with Him. So uh, Job, he asks for a mediator. And Timothy writes, there is one mediator between God and him, Christ Jesus. Who gave himself as a ransom for all which for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. So Paul's here saying, pray for everyone, the kings and different people. Because this that's a good to do for in the sight of God. And then he says God has this society that people will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's one truth. There's only one good way to God. And that's through Jesus. And he is our mediator. Not only a mediator, a loving God. And in intercession. So where is Jesus? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. So when we're talking about hope, it's not just hope in this life. We see in Jesus that he dies, but he rises again. So we see hope in this life, yes, but hope that we will be raised with Christ as well. In wrapping it up. You see in Job's life, just as ours, success is not an accurate measure of what people, if people are following Jesus the right way. We, in this part of the world, when we read those verses that we're going to have trouble, what does that mean? And why do we have trouble? Why is there suffering? Why is there sometimes motivating? And sometimes it's our own fault. A lot of times it's other people's fault. Question just to consider is what if it's better for our soul for a time to go through trouble? What if it's better for us to experience that peace, God, that peace Jesus said 
the peace even in trouble. What if Paul, when he writes his letter, what if we believe God loves us so much that even when we're suffering, we see Jesus as our hope? You're saying, but why? Well, sometimes you say God is molding us. That's not to destroy us. It's so painful if you've been molded. There's another picture is that you are cleaning out gold. Like you are. I can't remember. But you're cleaning out gold. It means that you're heating it up so all the impurities are going out. <coughs> well, heating and molding is not necessarily nice. We have this beautiful verse people sometimes just quote that iron sharpens iron. Yes, but what happens when iron sharpens iron? It's not talking about us. Sparks. I am hot iron against hot iron. <coughs> there's going to be something that's potential to hurt. But the question is can God use the things that was meant to be for evil, for good? The different trouble, the sins that's committed against you, even your own sins, can God through Jesus redeem them? and make it something that's good for you and glorifies God. So next time we face troubles, problems, frustration, unfairness, could that all be some kind of actually a grace from God? Where he can use that to turn that into his glory? As I was reflecting, how do we learn to trust? By trusting. How do we learn to pray? By praying. How, how do we learn about God? By reading His Word, by interacting with one another, applying what He teaches so we can see Jesus. That's what Job did far, far away. He trusted God. And Job trusts God even though he doesn't understand God. He does start to question God about many things. And maybe it loops to he doesn't think God is all that fair. I don't think that's a problem for us that we ask those questions. I do think that our I do think we have to look at do we run to Jesus in all our circumstances? Do we know the love God has for us? And we have the same kind of love for Him. He loved us first so we can love Him. We're not going to do that perfectly and we will need to come back. The thing is that when we can help each other is that when we're down, we're pointing each other gently back to Jesus. Job has some friends who just said he had sinned somewhere. They couldn't point it out. They didn't bring much hope. We have a great hope. That is Jesus. Is he your Lord, God, and King? It's like Catherine was asking. If not, consider that. Consider making that your first priority. Is he the first foundation? For you guys, where it is, praise the Lord. Like he's done a great work in you. He'll continue to do that. Let that love grow. Let him let it not grow old, but let it grow. 
Because then we're reminded about how much He has loved us. How much we see in Jesus what God did for us. Why? Because it's so important we don't try, stop trying to earn God's love because we can't. Just like we read, it's our faith in what Jesus has done, not our own works. Let's be a place where we shine the love of Jesus to people. First to one another, and then to the world. Why? Because God, God through Jesus, has changed us. Because we have hope, we have an advocate, we have a mediator, we have righteousness. Not in ourselves, but what Jesus did for us. God has loved us, we can see that in Jesus, He cares about us. Also, well, we don't know why things are happening. This was all for this week. Next week starts out pretty hardcore. He says, I hate my life or I loathe my life. I'll give free utterance to my complaint. I'll speak in the bitterness of my soul. I'll say to God, don't condemn, condemn me. Let me know why you condemn, contend against me. So that's what we're going to start out next time. But uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. I thank you so much that, oh man, should we joke? We just, we're allowed to ask all those questions that Job did. Um, we live in a broken, sinful world where we will be hurt and we will hurt others. But God, thank you so much that there is so much hope. Jesus, thank you so much that there is hope. That we can have redemption through you. We can be righteous through you. And God, that we can see how you actually love us through Jesus. Lord, let's pray for all of us here that we just take that into consideration that you are the foundation. Help us to shine that light to one another and to this place that you have, you have set us in. And we pray that it would be for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.